The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Print Files, the podcast from Print21. I'm Grant McCarran, and I'm very happy to introduce Wayne Robinson, editor of Print21 and host of the podcast. Wayne, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yes, good day, everyone, and welcome to the first in the Print Files Print Leaders series. In this series, we talk to six influential print industry leaders discussing how they approach leadership, how they approach decision-making, what strategies they employ, what makes them tick. For this first podcast, I'm joined by Debbie Burgess, Joint Managing Director of multi-award winning family-owned Bright Print Group, one of the bigger print operations in New South Wales, with sites in Sydney and Newcastle. 100 staff, offset, digital, wide format, finishing, graphic design, logistics, mailing, just some of its services. Bright Print Group has a commitment to sustainable manufacturing. It was established in 1962 by Debbie's grandfather, William Bright, in a small garage at the back of his house. It moved to its present premises in 1996. It subscribes to international external standards in quality, the environment, and OHS. Debbie joined the business 31 years ago in 1990, which was quite a time to join, I imagine. She's now Joint Managing Director along with her brother, John Bright. She's also the patron of Women in Print for New South Wales, and she's on the committee of the Hills Winter Sleepout, which raises funds for charities with a focus on those struggling with homelessness and domestic violence. Debbie is also on the Western Sydney Advisory Committee for the Salvation Army. Debbie, welcome to The Print Files. Thanks very much, Wayne. It's nice to be talking to you today. Yeah, it's great to have you. Debbie, maybe we can start in this uh, series on leadership, talking about the early days at Brightprint. What made you, as a young young woman, uh, decide to join the family business? What was it like then, and what did you first do? <laughs> I think I first my first experience really was um, as a teenager on the tables, doing all the bindery work and, and rolling up calendars and putting them into sleeves. But my family, as you're aware, was part of the print industry um, since before I was born. Actually, my great-grandfather started in 1928. He bought his first publishing business. Um, so, it's print's always been a part of me. It's always been something that's been discussed around the dining room table. And um, although I'd never had any intentions of joining the business, I was certainly... Um, Bought along with the business and and learnt very early on in the piece that it was an integral part of our family and and what we did and um, was part of the fabric of the brights really. Yeah, terrific. And did you join straight from school or did you go to college after school? No, I didn't join straight from school. I had no intentions of being part of the business really. Um, I was studying law, so I was um, went to college. I did a um, business course initially and then enrolled in law and I was a paralegal for a couple of years. Um, and it was when my father and his brother decided to part ways that um, he asked if I'd come down for 12 months to help him sort the the front end of the business out because my father was a printing machinist and really had not a lot of um, knowledge of bookkeeping or or anything else that went with um, sort of running the front part of the business and I said I'll come down for 12 months and and help you out and here I am 31 years later as you say still there. (laughs) So education's always been a big part of your journey, it seems. Why do you feel that's important and what's it given you? Uh, I've always believed in lifelong learning. I think um, it's essential that we continue to try and learn and grow, not just for ourselves as people, but um, professionally as well. 
I did my MBA when I turned 40. That was my 40th birthday present to myself and everybody thought I was a little bit mad. But um, it's always it's always something that's resonated very strongly with me, learning. And similarly, even here um, with the company, I've um, introduced a number of different learnings over the years. We made sure everybody went through Cert 3 and Cert 4 about 10 years ago, which was uh, proved to be very um, significant, I think, um, in terms of what the company was able to do then moving forward. So I'm always looking to learn and, and always encouraging those around me to learn as much as they can as well, whether it's just, you know, formally, it doesn't need to be university degrees, but um, certainly continuing to, to sort of push themselves and, and see what else, develop new ideas. Okay, so not just for you, but but not just for you, but for your whole team at Bright Print Group, you're keen to support them and, and help them to grow in their own education. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can never know enough. And and I think it's important to, to learn across a broad range of subjects too. So, you know, you're a more interesting person, I think, if you can talk on a number of different topics and it just gives you a broader viewpoint um, to not just to your work life, but, um, you know, to your outside life as well. And, and bringing professional education into a family-owned print group must have been beneficial over the years, I imagine, uh, because not all family-owned print groups have a professional education uh, in their leaders. No, that's true. As you'll and know. As you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess one of the reasons I was so keen to continue with my education as well was being the daughter of the owner. Um, you always have the label of nepotism hanging over your head, and I people tend to think you're in the role just because of who you are, not what you know and not what you can do. So there was probably a part of me that felt it was important for me to um, prove to me that um, I was as knowledgeable as others in senior exec roles, um, you know, whether it was in public companies or other private companies. Um, a bit of validation, I guess, on my point was why I chose to continue with my education and, and, and get my MBA. And of course, the benefits of that for the organisation, you know, go without saying. But in terms of the organisation, yes, get back to your original question, many of the staff we have here, particularly in the bindery, um, in dispatch, uh, never had any formal qualifications. Obviously, you have tradesmen, but a lot of them never had formal qualifications. So, doing the Cert 3 and Cert 4, for many, it was the first time that they'd actually received some kind of educational recognition or qualification. So, that was quite empowering for the guys as well too. For them as well, yes. Yes, exactly. So, you mentioned that you're the daughter of the uh, owner, uh, along with your brother, John, uh, which must be, and you are joint managing directors um, which must bring uh, benefits. And how does that work? Because joint managing director, is it a case of iron sharpening iron or are you more complimentary? <laughs> Dad um, actually exited the company just on 20 years ago now. So after I had my last child, he said to me, are you finished having children? And I said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> he said, good, I'm out of here. So he went and bought himself 3,000 acres out at Yeovil. Okay. basically said to John and I, it's up to you to make me an offer and, you know, it's all yours. So I guess John and I, you know, had to sit down and think, well, is this 
where we're headed. This is what we want to do. Our, but we were both very committed and um, decided that um, we'd continue on with it. And, and that's exactly what we've done. But I guess we've always been quite close as brother and sister, probably more so than most that I know. Um, they say a family that plays together stays together and we always played golf together as kids. So I think that was always a common interest with the two of us. And we, I think the important thing is we, we share common values and we trust one another. And I think when you are running an organisation, to have somebody there that's got your back and that you can bounce things off is um, is powerful and it's um, also provides another level of security, I think, for the both of us that many MDs don't have when you're sitting at the top of the ship on your own and and uh, it can be quite lonely, actually. But um, Well, they, they say that, don't they? It's lonely at the top. So if there's yes. two of you, I guess you don't experience that. There are, I'm sure, issues that you have to deal with, but the, the, the taking it all on your own shoulders isn't the case for you guys. Well, they say two heads are better than one and um, I think in our instance we have uh, different skills. Um, I've always, I've come back from, come from a background of law. I then went on to get my accounting qualification because I figured that was more important than, than being a lawyer. Um, in this instance, you know, once I've joined the the family business. John went down the path of IT, so he got his qualifications in that area. And, you know, subsequently I've always looked after what would be considered, I guess, the soft issues of the business. So HR and, and accounting and, and legal and marketing. John's probably more concentrated on sales and IT and systems, which as you would well know, in the last few years, having a very robust system in place, um, data management is crucial for the success of any organisation. So we've brought complementary skills to the table, but any big decisions are, are obviously made between the two of us. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bright Print Group is now one of the larger independent print businesses with two sites, almost 100 staff. Um what steps do you take to make sure you're leading the company into profitable areas? Would you have off-site strategy days, for instance, or external input from outside consultants? Or is it more on a kind of day-to-day -day basis that ideas are conceived and developed and executed? We've always been had a very flat structure. So it's John and I and generally four or five senior management or a team of four or five in our senior management team, I should say which have looked after the day-to-day -day operations. A few years back, we introduced um, various uh, consultants, but to be honest with you, print is a little bit of a um, an interesting beast and it's <laughs> well, so dynamic <laughs> and it, it doesn't really follow the same path as most manufacturing would. So to have somebody say to you, you know, I've been involved in manufacturing and I've done this and I've done that um, and it could translate nicely into print, I don't really believe that it does because every job that you do for print is, is almost different unless you're a bit of a cookie cutter printer, which we're not. We're more a sort of boutique upper market type print company that does a lot of the hard stuff. So there is challenges every day on the production floor, just making sure that you get things done 
correctly. So we tend to rely on ourselves. I think um, we try and develop the knowledge internally and call on one another to bring different things to the table, um, particularly if people have worked at other organisations or in other areas of the industry. It's always good to get feedback or, or new ideas through from new members of the team. So we've tended to yeah, try and, I guess, develop our knowledge organically rather than bringing in independent people. Yeah, that's an interesting story. You tried that. It didn't really work out for you guys. Uh, and you'd learn to trust your own uh, ideas and knowledge and experience and those that come in around with you. Yeah, interesting. Um, what, um, Debbie, what values would you say that you use, you and John use to underpin your leadership and decision-making? I think honesty has always been the most important criteria for us and I think respect. So we have always endeavoured to treat our staff, our suppliers, our clients with the highest level of respect, even when we've not personally thought that um, it necessarily was deserving. We <laughs> always made sure that um, – we could hold our heads up, I guess, and say, well, we've made the right decision or, we've, you know, we've made a decision that then allows this person or that person to go on and do something else. So it's, for us, honesty and um, we expect everybody that works with us to be honest, whether that's in their opinions, whether that's in just making sure they turn up to work on time. It's the character of a person and that's... For us, that's the most important thing is working with people who um, value honesty and who we can trust and, and who respect one another. So they, they're certainly our most, the, the values that we hold most dearly. And they would be part of the matrix that you use in your decision-making process? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's plenty of times when we've walked away from something that may have been profitable but for us we've just not felt that it was the right thing to do. Um, similarly with the way we've come to negotiations with clients over the years there may have been times when we thought that we were in the right but you know we could see the client's perspective or, or there was a reason why they behaved the way they they behaved so we tend to sort of capitulate a little bit but, as, you know, it's our name on the door, Wayne. So for us, it's important that, um, you know, our reputation, our brand can stand up, really. Well, that's right. It's hard to win and easy to lose, isn't it, reputation? Um, in your own personal leadership development, Abby, uh, is that something that's planned with kind of staging posts and milestones along the way? Or is it supported by external input for you yourself personally? Or is it a kind of more organic than that? I think initially um, when I was younger, I certainly absorbed as much as I could in terms of uh, literature on leadership and leadership styles and, and what made a good leader. And uh, when I was in my late 20s, I remember going to a super working course that was held by Australian Institute of Management and it was over oh, six or seven days, uh, over a month or two. And, and that was a foundation for me. And it sort of ended up underpinning a lot, I think, of my behaviour moving forward. So it wasn't just about how to treat people and, and what to do. It was also, 
in terms of food and, and health and, and all the things that go about making you a sustainable leader because I think some leaders can um, can burn out very quickly and and I suspected from the start I'd be here for the long haul so I needed to sort of bulletproof myself. So certainly initially I, I um, absorbed as much as I could. Then I think over the years through your own experiences you start to develop your own ideas and, and understanding and you sort of mesh that with those that you read about and you try and take the best of of both really so it's I guess it's organic but initially it was certainly planned um, to to try and make sure that I had the skills and resources I needed to be a good leader and if you were advising young leaders in the industry today would you advise them to do a similar course to that to take similar steps I think everybody needs to learn. Doesn't matter what you end up, what you want to do in life. I think one of the things I said to my boys when they were growing up, I don't care what you want to be in life. If you, you know, want to be a garbage collector, I don't care. It doesn't worry me. Just do the very best you can. Whatever you are going to do, make sure you give it your all. And I think that I would say that to any young woman or man starting out now. Um, your career might change a number of times. And certainly I think they say now that the younger generation can have four or five or six different careers in their lifetime, whereas I think we've always just sort of tended to stay on a fairly similar path. But the opportunity is so much greater. But I think, you know, the important thing is that um, they understand themselves, they understand what's important to them, and they continue to learn and grow and and listen to other people too because we don't we don't know everything and and others can can see your faults that you may not necessarily see and and don't take that as a criticism um, try and get people to give you feedback so that you can become better and and more rounded and is there anyone that you seek or have sought inspiration from in terms of a person that you either know personally or that you've connected with I have been involved in women's groups for a number of years now and certainly there have been a number of older women that have come and gone who I've, you know, shared plenty of conversations with and, and, and learnt from. I couldn't say that there's been one person uh, in particular that's been sort of my guiding light. I think it's been more a combination of a number of very powerful women, although I do remember many years ago, um, hearing Gail Kelly speak. And I always was quite inspired by her, her journey starting off as a teller and then, you know, becoming the CEO of Westpac. So I think, you know, women like that and their stories um, are always encouraging. And I think just, yeah, show you that with effort and sometimes a little bit of luck, um, you can you can get there, but it all comes down to attitude and timing and, and being prepared. One of the areas that you want to lead Brightprint into is into being a sustainable business, obviously financially, but also environmentally. What are some of the challenges in trying to take an, an industrial manufacturing company into a sustainable area? I've always been a bit of a greenie. Even as a kid, um, and I think I, that comes from my father. He, you know, he would not waste a skerrick. Even we, my brother and I, used to laugh. Even if he had ham in the fridge that was a week old, he'd still eat it because he wouldn't want to throw it out. But um, I've always been very 
concerned about the environment and it's always been, um, I guess, a passion of mine to try to do the best we can. As we know, the print industries has been for a long time, um, was quite a wasteful industry and it used a lot of nasty chemicals early on in the piece. But um, over the years, uh, the industry as a whole globally has done a fabulous job uh, making sure that it was uh, a lot uh, healthier and and left a, a smaller footprint, with in, particularly in terms of the chemicals that we use and the technology, and there's been massive advancements. But about probably 13 years ago, it was, I think it was 2008, we decided to embark on our ISO 14001, which was our environmental accreditation, and that was something that I was very passionate about. And fortunately, the rest of the team came on board quite quickly. And, and some people who had never recycled would come up to me and say, Debbie, I'm now recycling at home, or I'm now doing this, or I'm now doing that. And, and it became part of the fabric of bright print. So it started a long time ago, but certainly with... Um, the greater awareness now and, and the, the strength of the environmental movement, we've been able to leverage more and and play a, a bigger part in that in terms of, you know, our little patch of grass here at Wetherill Park in Newcastle. And, it, it, and it's great that the industry has also seen the benefits um, financially as well as environmentally of becoming more sustainable. Do you face the perception that print is still an environmentally dodgy business to be in? Or do you think that the message is getting over that it is, as you say, has cleaned up its act massively in the last 20 or 30 years? I think there's still a a huge misconception with regards to the print industry and its organisations like uh, Two Sides that um, have now become quite vocal in trying to dispel a lot of the myths that surround the industry. You only have to look at your phone bills, your electricity bills and, and you know, go online to save the environment, so those sorts of phrases that you see printed on the bottom of, of paper bills, which, you know, few of us receive now, just to see that, you know, big corporate was still greenwashing uh, in a lot of areas. And there's still a lot of work to be done. And certainly print, you know, isn't a perfect industry by any stretch of the imagination. But um, my goodness, we, we produce a product that is pretty much recyclable um, in its entirety. And there's not many other industries that can lay claim to those sorts of credentials. So I think it's a shame that paper and and you know, paper-based industries were sort of incorrectly labelled. But it's encouraging too in the last 12 months or so in particular, we've seen people move away from plastic-based products now back to paper-based. So even your McDonald's straws are now paper-based and I think that in itself shows that um, paper and, and, you know, as a byproduct print is certainly a sustainable industry and one that we should be embracing and encouraging, not denigrating. Absolutely. And as a, as a leader in print and a, a, on the sustainable platform, do you find doors opening to you or do you find people closing doors because they're saying a print is not sustainable or are you able to get out and get the message out across yourself as a print leader? Well, we certainly, I've got a team of 12 um, account managers and certainly they um, all expose the same 
values that we do in terms of print being an important medium and a sustainable medium. And we've got a lot of research that's come internationally on the benefits of using print. So we, we try and do our little bit. Um, the industry as a whole is trying to do its little bit. We've, as an organisation, we've won a couple of major contracts based on the fact that we have green credentials, uh, which is, I guess, validation for all the hard work that we've put into making sure that the organisation was as sustainable as, as it could be. But there's still there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's it's moving in the right direction, I believe. Yeah, it's good to know. And, and Debbie, as well as running Bright Print Group and advocating for sustainable print and many other things, you're actively involved in community causes. You remember the Hills Winter Sleepout. You're on the advisory committee for Western Sydney Salvation Army. What's your motivation for involving, being involved in these causes? And actually, although they are obviously to benefit others, what do you think you gain from them? I think the greatest thing you can do is help others and my aunt once said to me years ago, if you can help somebody, we'll then do it. So I think I've come from a family of great philanthropists and particularly my grandmothers were very charitable women and did a lot for the community. My aunt still does a lot for the community and actually was awarded an OAM two years ago because of her charitable work. So it's something that was instilled in me very early on in the piece and and John as well obviously you know he shares the same journey as I do that if you can help um, you should uh, it's just what we should do as human beings is is reach out to one another so I, I guess the work that I do on the charities I do is because I can add value and you certainly do get a lot out of it it's much greater to give than it is to receive as someone famously once said, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, um, finally, Debbie, you alluded to earlier uh, leadership being looking after the whole person when you talked about the food you eat and looking after your body. Um, how do you relax at the weekend? You've got a lot on your plate. You're responsible for 100 people, their mortgages, their kids. You've got a big business going on there. What do you do to, as a leader to relax and what do you think? Where do you recharge? Because I spend so much time in the office and I am here five days a week, and I work long hours. For me, it's all about getting outside and, and in the sunshine. And I love to go for walks. Uh, I still try and play as much golf as I can on weekends. Walking is and, and golf has always been my outlet. So it's important for me to to get out and, and recharge and, and to exercise. I'm, I still go to the gym a couple of days a week. I'm, I'm think that it's very important to keep your, your body in a good condition so that your mind can stay in good condition as well too I think they work symbiotically and you don't find you don't you don't find you get pushed your physical activity gets pushed out by the demands of the office you're disciplined in maintaining that I am actually I have a standing uh, commitment with my personal gym instructor six o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays and it forces me out of the office and I have to be there so I think you just have to make that commitment and there's been plenty of times and I've thought oh I really should finish this off and thought no I need to leave and and get to the gym so it's that's it's it's forces me to to get out and switch off which is important yeah, good to hear. Well, Debbie, thanks so much for talking to us. It's been great to get an insight into uh, you and, and you as a leader in the print industry. This series is aimed to help 
print business leaders across the country, small print businesses, big ones, getting some inspiration from people who have been doing it for a, a while. 31 years counts as a while. Successful business counts. So thanks so much for sharing some of your journey and some of how you, how you approach leadership. My pleasure, Wayne. Thanks for chatting to me. Yeah, no, it's been great to hear from you. And uh, well, I look forward to catching you soon around the traps, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Wayne. That's been a great conversation uh, listening in here on all the topics of leadership, environment, community, the print industry. Uh, very educational. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this episode. We'll be back in the not too distant future with another episode of The Print Files. So until then, please enjoy your time and uh, make the most of what the opportunities are that you can find out there. And we'll be back in the not too distant future. Thank you. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print 21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.